0: Creative Legals, the show that helps you understand the law around property investment. Whether you are a vanilla landlord or doing creative deals, because what you do not know could cost you. Creative Legals, law for creative deals. Joining us now, your host, Julie Condliffe, the legal diva, successful property investor and specialist property litigation solicitor.
1: Today, we discuss the fact that we, as landlords, are prohibited from evicting our tenants, thus regardless of what they have or haven't done. This has been the case since the 26th of March 2020, and on the 5th of June 2020, the government extended its ban on evictions in England and Wales by a further two months. This takes the moratorium on evictions to a total of five, five whole months. These are extraordinary times and I understand that the government has been great, I'm grateful for that, but while the government is taking unprecedented action to protect tenants, the question is, who is protecting landlords? Have landlords been given adequate protection? Please allow me a few moments to focus on my feelings. Protecting vulnerable people has been the priority through this pandemic. I genuinely do get that. Who are the vulnerable people? Is it just tenants? What about vulnerable landlords who subsidise their mortgage payments every single month because the rental income does not, in fact, cover the mortgage commitment? The vulnerable landlord, the vulnerable accidental landlord, who perhaps doesn't have a mortgage to take a holiday from. All she has is the income from this rental property. That's all she has. Is she not vulnerable? How about those vulnerable landlords? Landlords will not be able to pay the additional interest post the repayment holiday. What happens then? Their investment becomes unviable. So what help is there for vulnerable landlords? What help is there for landlords? A mortgage repayment holiday. Take a mortgage repayment holiday and be penalized interest-wise. Take a mortgage repayment holiday and the outstanding balance owed on your mortgage will be much higher than it was when you entered the mortgage holiday. Take a mortgage repayment holiday and the interest accrued will increase your direct debit payments and could make it harder for you to meet your mortgage term. These are the things that we don't talk about. By requesting a mortgage payment holiday, you're essentially saying that you're in financial difficulty. Of course, this is going to impact on you financially one way or the other. It might not reflect on your credit file. But it will have an impact. Negative, in fact, it could affect your ability to acquire other mortgage options during the mortgage payment holiday period or even afterwards. It could affect your remortgage prospects um, and as I said, the interest will continue to accrue. So in most circumstances, you'll probably pay slightly more over the lifetime of your mortgage. Bearing in mind, the tenant who is on repayment mortgage is not going to pay you more rental than it did before so i just don't think that there's real parity here in terms of support tenants are mostly portrayed as the victims and of course landlords are portrayed as the villains the reality is far divorced from that there is a real risk that due to the ban on evictions landlords could inevitably be in breach of their banking covenants. I do not see the banks being lenient towards defaulting landlords. That would be almost unheard of. As landlords, we're faced with tenants who won't pay as opposed to those who. Cannot pay. So, how do you distinguish? How do you determine between those who can't pay or won't pay? Regardless of whether you perform mental gymnastics and are able to determine or distinguish between those who can't pay or won't pay, that's really not going to serve you any purpose at all because whichever way you are not allowed to evict tenants, there's a ban on evictions. In simple terms, it just means it is more likely than not that you'll be stuck with tenants who cannot pay, or rather who won't pay, and you can't evict them until sometime next year. That's because even if you were to start the eviction process on the 1st of September, We know that you would have to serve the requisite notice. We know that you would need to provide at least three months notice um, in order for the tenant to vacate the premises. And we know that if the tenant does not vacate the premises within the stipulated timescales, you must issue court proceedings. And we know that on average, that takes between four, six to eight weeks to be able to get a possession order. But we also know that regardless of getting the possession order, you cannot forcibly um, kick a tenant out of a property without a warrant for possession. So we also know that that's an additional application, which again, takes quite some time and I suspect it will even take longer um, after the um, current uh, set of circumstances we find ourselves in. The questions I find myself asking are questions that many of us are asking in relation to this ban on evictions. Is this a band-aid, a bandage, not a cure? is it a symptomatic treatment without getting to the real root of the issue is it kicking the can down the road whatever you feel it is whatever i feel it is i do not consider that it goes as far as it ought to go in terms of supporting landlords vulnerable or otherwise How do you feel? What are your thoughts on the subject matter? I would love to hear from you. Please let me know in the comments. Alternatively, you can reach me using the contact details available. Okay, I've got to rein it in now. Enough about feelings. We're now going to focus on facts. Focus on facts, not on feelings. So The fact is, the government's original eviction moratorium announced in March 2020 was due to end on the 25th of June 2020, at which point landlords would have been able to continue or indeed instigate legal proceedings to remove tenants. This has now been extended by a further 2 months and the extension came into force on the 25th of June 2020 ensuring that there's no gap between the existing ban and the extension the extension will take the moratorium up to 5 months in total that simply means that eviction proceedings will in fact not be able to start or be started before the 1st of September 2020. So we've got a summer uh, free of evictions. No evictions can be instigated uh, in the summer of 2020 in England and in Wales. So, which tenancies are covered under these particular provisions? The protection covers most tenants in the private and social rented sectors. It also covers all grounds of evictions. So, it covers the fault grounds, it covers the non-fault grounds, literally all the grounds are covered. So it will protect those with mortgages. It will protect those who occupy under licenses. But the key thing to note here is not all licenses are applicable. Not all licenses are covered. For a license to fall under the protection of these provisions... It must be covered by the Protection from Eviction Act 1977. That really is the crucial point to note. So, licences to occupy serviced lets, lodgings, holiday lets, hostel accommodation, and accommodation for asylum seekers are excluded from these protections. So, In its strict interpretation, the legislation only applies to tenants, so will not apply to licences to occupy other than secure licences under the Housing Act 1985. I'll be more than happy to give clarity on this, um, so feel free to contact me if you're unsure. I'll also provide details of other bodies that may be able to help in terms of clarification on this particular point. If you are a service occupier, you may not be protected under these particular provisions. So if you're a landlord who's got a service occupier, uh, you will or may be entitled to instigate eviction proceedings against them. So, a service occupier is somebody who occupies a property because their place of employment requires them to live in to be able to do the job. So for example, you've got some um, caretakers who need to be resident at the premises. You've got hotel staff. You've got teachers at some boarding schools. So those will be classified as service occupiers, and they're not protected from eviction under the eviction ban. Of course, if you're a landlord stroke employer in these circumstances, you still must follow the legal process. Make sure You comply with the terms of the um, employment contract. And once you've given the requisite notice, you will need to make a court application to get a possession order in the usual fashion. Again, I'll be more than happy to assist in that regard. Uh, The protection covers all possession of tenancies in the Rent Act 1977, the Housing Acts of 1985, 1996 and 1988. As with most things, they are exclusions and the tenancies that are excluded here, I call them tenancies, some of them aren't, Um, and I think I've mentioned some of them already anyway. Um, So you've got your possession claims against trespassers, they're definitely excluded from the suspension. So if you've got any squatters, you've got any trespassers, you can take immediate action in relation to those, which is a welcome relief. So these provisions apply to both England and to Wales. The other point worth considering is about the possession proceedings that are already on foot. So if you'd already instigated possession proceedings prior to the eviction ban, where do you stand? So the suspension applies to all ongoing position action as at the 27th of March 2020, meaning that the cases that were currently um, in the system or cases that were in the system at the relevant date and cases that were about to go into the system will now be suspended. So everything is suspended, um, including matters that were already on fit, so the suspension applies for a ninety-day period from the twenty-seventh of March, twenty twenty. The suspension applies to all all possession matters. That includes housing, land, and buildings in the rental sector. It includes possession cases brought by your mortgages, your lenders against homeowners. It includes possession cases brought by landlords against uh, leaseholders, you know, your forfeiture proceedings. Agricultural tenancies are also included. So housing possession claims in the system will be postponed. This means that landlords will not be able to progress any claims where they'd already issued a notice seeking possession. Uh, The new measures apply to uh, cases in progress. And cases where perhaps a landlord or mortgage company had already uh, commenced the possession proceedings and perhaps they've already got judgment on there. Everything is stayed where a, a notice, an eviction notice was served on a tenant immediately after the Coronavirus Act 2020 came into force would see that the notice would expire in three months and post-expiry of that notice, the landlord would then be able to take the matter through to court. At the moment, that is being discouraged. It is not prohibited, but it is discouraged. So the suspension part is in situ until the 30th of September 2020 and will be subject to review and maybe extended by some secondary legislation. But again, uh, hopefully I'll be able to update you nearer the time or as soon as we get information or direction on that. So we've been in touch with our feelings and then we have focused on the facts. Now we move on to what to do, what do we do and perhaps what do we not do. I think it would be prudent to firstly consider where liability lies in these matters. I would like the record to reflect that tenants are still liable for rent and should pay this in the usual way. They have not been given a repayment holiday. It's just a ban on evictions, but the liability still remains intact. So, although the moratorium temporarily stops landlords from evicting tenants, it does not remove the obligation to pay rent. So, what can we do as landlords? I suggest that in the first instance, we engage in meaningful negotiations with the tenants. It is important to have flexibility and to literally have that conversation in early course to allow both parties a sensible way forward. That's because eviction should be used as a weapon of last resort. The government said it wanted court to be a last resort. It wants landlords to exhaust all possible options, such as agreeing flexible rent payment plans and Thus, minimizing the eviction prospects, so the advice is: don't evict unless if you have to know your personal circumstances, you know why you would have to evict a tenant. Not all of us are in the same situation. So it is not a one size fits all. You determine whether you must evict. If your tenant just won't pay and the arrears continue to accrue, I don't see why you should not serve a notice now, because by serving a notice now, you are in effect three months ahead of the game if you can see that your tenant has no real prospects of ever being able um, to pay the rent perhaps because it just won't, then I I would be minded to serve notice sooner rather than later because whenever you serve it, you are still going to need to wait for uh, three months before you instigate the actual court process. I've had clients who have wanted to issue court proceedings because perhaps they're going through a divorce and they need to sell. Um, I've got landlords who are just in a financially unviable set of circumstances because they're not receiving the rental payment. So their hands are tied. They have no option but to sell. And um, Whilst on this subject, I think it would be right to mention that as landlords, we need to be mindful of the retaliatory eviction provisions under the Deregulation Act because we've had scenarios where. Uh, a tenant says they won't pay and then the landlord gets really angry or, you know, the tenant says uh, they want um, a set of repairs done and then the landlord says you haven't paid your rent and because you've done this, I'm now going to evict you. Well, that in itself is unlawful and you could fall foul of the retaliatory eviction proceedings. Sorry, um, retaliatory um, eviction provisions under the deregulation act of 2015. So I think you just really need to be careful because that particular act has not gone into quarantine. It still applies. So if you're going to go right ahead and carry out the um, eviction uh, which I'm not suggesting we we breach any, any terms of the law at all, um, because like I said, it's not prohibited. Serving notices is not prohibited. Um, it, it just, like I said, has to be a weapon of last resort. So if you must, then do it. And if you are going to do it, then you need to ensure that you comply with the whole process and uh, make sure that you dot every i and cross every t so use the correct forms as far as possible please do try and use the wording in the forms as is Um, if it's not broken, then don't try to fix it. Um, Don't try to change the wording unless if you actually need to. These forms were carefully drafted to ensure that the people on whom they are being served understand what is proposed and what they need to do in response. At times, the law requires us to use the prescribed form, or indeed a form substantially to the same effect. If that's the case, then I'd suggest that just go ahead and use the prescribed form if it is fitting in your circumstances. Failure to serve the correct form may mean that the court will actually not grant you a possession order. Can you imagine that? waiting three months and then issuing court proceedings, waiting for another six, eight or even 10, 12 weeks, dependent on how busy the courts are, only to find that the notice that you served was wrong. And then you have to restart the whole process again. That would be potentially devastating. So just use the the right forms, get it right from the outside. And if you need assistance, let me know you should not alter the wording of the forms unless the form says you may be able to do so. If you change the wording, the form may be invalidated. That's important to note. Comply with the notice provisions in the notices. Again, that is important. If you are going to use the Section 21 route, please note that Form 6A is now the correct form to use. It has been amended to reflect the changes to the possession procedures in the Coronavirus Act 2020, Section 81, Schedule 2, Paragraph 7. As a landlord, you must use this Form 6A if the tenancy was started or renewed after the 30th of September 2015. If the tenants do not leave the property by the date specified on the form you're entitled to apply to the court for a possession order using either the accelerated possession process or indeed the standard possession process. In the alternative, if you are utilising the Section 8 route, make sure that whatever ground you want to use in Schedule 2 of the Housing Act is made out. You then need to use Form 3. Form 3 similar to Form 6A, has been amended to reflect the changes to the possession procedures in accordance with the Coronavirus Act 2020, Section 81, Schedule 29, Paragraph 6. Remember, it's no longer 14 days, it's now three months notice that you need to give even after the three month notice period, as a landlord, you cannot force a tenant to leave the property. You must get a court order. You must get a possession order. And if they do not leave post that possession order, you will need to make an additional application for a warrant for possession. That's it for today. I hope you found it insightful and be sure to subscribe and I'll see you again next time.
0: Thank you for joining us on Creative Legals. Remember, what you do not know could cost you. Stay up to date. Subscribe to our weekly updates using the links below. Remember, what you do not know could cost you. Creativelegals.com Faster, faster smarter, better,